Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Please sign up for my newsletter at zibbyowens.com for weekly updates about my podcasts, events, and more. Also, follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens and also at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And finally, join my virtual book club called Zibby's Virtual Book Club, which meets every other Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time until 3 p.m. and features half an hour of book club discussion, followed by 30 minutes of Q&A with the author whose book we've just discussed. You can sign up on my website, zibbyowens.com, under the virtual book club section, or even on Instagram under the link in my bio. I hope you'll find me in all these different channels and enjoy this podcast. Today's sponsor is my bookshop.org store and my Amazon store. I don't know if you guys even know that I have these, but you should check it out because I sell all the books that I've had on this podcast, so you can easily find them and buy them. The bookshop.org site is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And the Amazon shop is amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books. So I hope that you will check out my Amazon influencer store and my bookshop.org storefront. And the bookshop.org storefront also has all the books from my Zibby's virtual book club and some other suggested reads. So I hope you will check those both out and go shopping. Go buy some books from the podcast and support all these amazing authors. Shani Mahiri King is a law professor at the University of Florida, where he is a director of the Center on Children and Families and associate director of the Center on Race and Race Relations. He received a BA from Brown University, a JD from Harvard Law School, and a master's in international human rights law from Oxford University. Shaney is an active writer and scholar in the area of children's rights and family law. His newest children's book, Have I Ever Told You Black Lives Matter, summons a magnificent historical and contemporary context for honoring the fortitude of black role models who have achieved greatness despite the grinding political and social constraints on black life. Welcome, Shawnee. Thank you so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I'm delighted to chat with you today. No, thank you, Zibby, so much for having me. And I completely identify with the title Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. I mean, I think just yesterday or the day before, my wife was like, Shawnee, what's the, when's the last book you read? And I honestly, I honestly couldn't remember the name of the last book I read. I mean, don't even ask me what the last movie I saw was that is not a child's movie. It's just, you know, I have no idea. As of yesterday, we're trying to go through the entire Home Alone. I would, it's, it's more than a trilogy. There are like five of them. I don't even know what you call that. Quince, I don't know. Anyway, we're, we're working yeah. our way through the kids' movies as well. <laughs> but yes, one byproduct, unfortunately, is sometimes less time to read. So anyway, I'm bringing books like yours, which are quick to read yours, not always on this podcast to people who, or maybe they didn't even, wouldn't have discovered them otherwise. So I only have an, a PDF version. Do you happen to have your actual book or not? Not yet. I don't, you know, I don't happen to have my actual book. I mean, part of the reason is I'm on so, in Sao Paulo right now. So be a sort of a you know, heavier lift to get me an actual copy of it. But I've, like you, I've just seen the PDF. Well, it looks great. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, so tell me the whole backstory of this children's book. Have I ever told you Black Lives Matter? Tell me about the illustrations, the people you profiled, how you came to do it, how you, the whole story. How did this come to be? So, Zibi, I mean, all of my books begin from the same place, right? They begin from conversations with my kids. And so, you know, I wrote a book before this, Have I Ever Told You, that is really sort of a book that is what I 
wanted to say to my kids, what I did say to my kids and what I wanted to say to my kids. In that last book I wrote about four years ago before the last election, and I just felt like there was a lot of political discourse that my kids were in different ways exposed to. And I didn't want that discourse to diminish who they thought they were. And so that's why I wrote Have I Ever Told You. This book, Have I Ever Told You Black Lives Matter, comes from a similar place. And it involves in part some conversations that I have had with my kids, but also conversations that I've wanted to have with my kids. I mean, for a long time, you know, I've wanted my kids to be aware of all of their history. I mean, I'm, you know, African-American. My wife is Nicaraguan. You know, I'm Jewish. My wife is Catholic. You know, I was born in the United States. My wife was born in Nicaragua. We've moved around quite a bit. So my kids have a lot of history and which is part of, I think, the, the sort of, I know, palette from which and draw their own identities. And so for a long time, I've wanted my kids to know more about all of their histories. And one of the histories is, is Black history, is African-American history. And, you know, and so, it, but, you know, I, I, my kids are six and eight. And so, you know, I'm not sure, Zibi, how old your kids are or, you know, and, but my kids don't, you know, don't usually like to just sit and listen to history monologues by their daddy or by their mommy, right? And so I, I you know, occasionally I'll talk to them about history when I pick up books, but, uh, you know, I always felt it was, it was always challenging to me to try and figure out how to expose kids to their history, right? Unless, you know, we happen to go on a trip to Nicaragua, for example, or a trip to a particular sort of African-American heritage site. So the Black Lives Matter movement happened and is happening. And that, it was just a reminder, sort of a similar kind of thing that I really want my kids to be proud of who they are. And so I wrote, Have I Ever Told You Black Lives Matter? And so there are two parts to the book. The first half is really an inspirational narrative of like, you know, a, a sort of a speech or a story that you may want to tell your kids or they may want to read. And the second half involves over 100 biographies of people mentioned in the first half, which gives uh, really, I think, curious and inquisitive kids the opportunity, right, to ask questions and get them answered about people mentioned in the first half. And another feature of the second half of the book is that there are quotations from each of the people mentioned in the, in the back, each of the people in the biographies, which I think allows kids to be inspired by these people in their own words. And they're really people from every field and endeavor, anywhere from you know, science to athletics to sports. And it's not only historical, but it's contemporary. So you have, you know, anyone from Charles Hamilton Houston, right, whose grandfather was a slave and, and led the legal fight against segregation to, to Jay-Z, right, and Beyonce, who are sort of modern day, you know, there are lots of names that you could give them, but business moguls, entrepreneurs, and who inspire people in their own way. Wow, yes. <laughs> That's all amazing. My kids, by the way, are also, I have a six-year-old and a seven-year-old and then two 13-year-olds. Wow. Yeah. Yes. So I'm in it with you with them not particularly wanting to sit down for a history lesson. I feel like unless it's a holiday, I can't really <laughs> get them to focus. Like, why are we celebrating this? So. Right, right. Wait, you mentioned that you are Jewish also. How I haven't yeah. met, I don't think, any African-American Jewish people before. Tell me about yeah. that. 
Well, so my, you know, I was basically raised by my my mother, by a single mother, you know, basically since I was four, so my entire memory. And she's Jewish. I actually don't know what religion my father was. I mean, he wasn't really involved. So she was, she was so my mom's Jewish. My sort of biological mother is a is a white Jewish woman from Revere. And so, you know, the Boston area. So if you hear her speak, you will know that she's from Boston. You know, she says... <laughs> You know, I mean, the phrase that we've taught our daughter is, I think, you know, you know, I park my car in Harvard Yard. And so my mom, my mother has a very, very strong accent, as do. And I'm not exactly sure why I don't. But anyways, so I was raised, I'm not particularly religious, but I was raised, you know, Jewish and culturally Jewish. And so we celebrate the Jewish holidays. And so in our household now, my wife is Catholic, I'm Jewish. So we celebrate both you know, Hanukkah and Christmas. And sort of uh, just because, you know, I think that's what I did when I was growing up. I celebrated, you know, Hanukkah, my wife celebrated Christmas. So we, we do that for our kids to expose them to both religions. And it's interesting. We were just speaking with both, you know, our, our daughter and our son yesterday. And I don't know, the topic of religion or God or the afterlife came up. And so, you know, so I told the kids sort of my view and Gabby, my wife, told the kids her view. And my daughter was like, she just had this look of, you know, sort of frustration on her face. And we were like, Soraya, what's, what's wrong? And she was like, it's just confusing. <laughs> you know, and I was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is very, very, very confusing. But I think one of the points that we wanted to make to her was that, you know, no one knows from our perspective, right? Ultimately, at the end of the day, what the real, you know, story is, right? What the real sort of, you know, answer to fundamental questions, right? Is is there God? It's a belief, right? What the fundamental answer is to sort of, you know, what the religious sort of history of the world is, right? No one knows. But what's important is that you can believe whatever you want to believe, and you shouldn't judge someone else, right, for believing what they believe. And so, so that, I think, got across to her and to Matthias as well. Whether there's anything deeper than that that got across them, I don't know. <laughs> I guess we'll find out what yeah. actually stuck in like, you know, 20, 30 years, something like exactly. that. Exactly. We can circle exactly. back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, coming from a mixed race family, do you feel that you also need to tell the story of like the Nicaraguan history to your kids? Or like, will you oh. be getting to that book? Or is it because this is so of the moment? And of course, there's so much, you know, national, well, not even national, just like worldwide focus on making things more, you know, in common parlance and all the rest. No, I think so. I have a couple of thoughts, Zibi. So first of all, I think, you know, I've always wanted to, as I mentioned, teach our kids, you know, African-American history. And like, I always felt like, you know, I'm proud of all of my heritage and who I am. And I, and I want my kids to have an opportunity to be proud of who they are. And, you know, I think there are, there are some books that cover children's books that talk about different aspects of African-American history. But I think I, I wrote this particular book, you know, because I hadn't really seen a book that covered it in exactly this way, right? This sort of breadth of coverage in both a sort of digestible way in terms of the first half, but also a deep and sort of way in the second half that allows kids to explore and can even be a resource for educators, right? So I, the Black Lives Matter movement was a reminder and was sort of, you know, and helped. But I think it's something that I wanted to do. I wanted to do anyways, and I've wanted to do for a long time. I mean, that's, and also, you know, it's a time during which 
you know, our kids as, you know, Zibi, you know, being among other things, right? A mom, like our kids, you know, really need us, right? And it's challenging, right? It's, it's, you know, it's challenging to, you know, be the same kind of solid presence for our kids when we're dealing with this craziness and this pandemic, among other things too, right? So it's a, it's a, for a lot of reasons, it's a time where kids need us. And so I think, I think I, I wrote it not only for my kids, but because I had the opportunity to write it for other kids as well. And so, so in terms of the Nicaraguan history, I mean, that, 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 I mean, yes, uh, we have made many stops on that train. I mean, my, my wife is, you know, a very proud Nicaraguan, as is her mother. And her mother, my suegra, as we would say in, in Spanish or, or sogrina in Portuguese, which I'm learning now, is also very proud Nicaraguan. And so they are, you know, we eat gallo pinto, right? We eat queso frito, we eat nacatamales, right? Like, so yes, that we are exposing them to Nicaraguan culture as much as we can. I think, you know, one of my wife's biggest, I don't know if it's a frustration, but I think something that makes her sad, a little sad is that sh- we can't travel as freely as we would otherwise be able to do. I mean, so far in our lives, we've been very fortunate to be able to travel. But one thing that we haven't done is we haven't taken the kids to Nicaragua. And Nicaragua really is a a fundamental part of who my wife, I mean, she spent a lot of time there. She's, you know, very close with the Nicaraguan family. She's fluent in Spanish, right? So that's something that we would like to do more of when we have the opportunity to travel more than we can now. Uh, But yeah, I mean, we want to expose our kids to all of their history. And then, you know, like you were saying, Zibi, you know, ultimately at the end of the day, who knows what they're going to be like? Who knows how they're going to identify? But we just want to give them the opportunity, right, to explore aspects of their identity. Very true. And not that this is any of my business, but I'm wondering, how, how did you meet your wife? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's interesting. Whenever somebody at, like, tells us their story of meeting, they're like, so, you know, I saw X from across the room and it was love at first sight. And then like, you know, they have these, these, roman- these amazing stories. So my wife and I don't have that kind of amazing story. You know, we met actually at work. I had been working in private practice as a lawyer in New York, and then I moved to California, to Northern California. My wife was born in Nicaragua, but moved here when she was four and reared in Oakland, California. And so she was working at a so I had been in private practice. She was working at a not-for-profit organization that represented only children and in different kinds of substantive proceedings, right? And dependency proceedings and education proceedings and immigration proceedings and guardianship proceedings. And so I had reached a point in my legal career where i had always wanted to do this, but I reached a point where I could, well, I was moving to California and I really, I just thought it was, it was a good point to switch gears, right? To switch from private practice to representing kids to child advocacy, which is something that I'd always wanted to do. And so I interviewed at this not-for-profit and I got very lucky and got a job there and they were fantastic people, fantastic lawyers. And so that's how we met and we were friends. And then, you know, 
And that's, that's sort of, you know, and, and that's all she wrote. And then we ended up moving to, so that's where we met. And then we moved to Florida when I, I got a job as a law professor at the University of Florida. And we moved to Gainesville, Florida, which I had never thought of at all <laughs> before moving there because I grew up in a bigger city, right? Boston, and then moved to New York. And my wife grew up in Oakland, right? And so I'd never really heard of Gainesville other than the, the Florida Gators, the football team. And I didn't really know much about Gainesville. And then we moved to Miami. Emmy and now we're in Sao Paulo for the time being. So wow, that's how that, that's that's how. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's how we met. And she's you know she's great. I mean she's much you know she's much smarter than I am. She is an incredibly kind person. And you know one amazing thing about her is that you know she's really busy. Like she's a really busy lawyer doing you know high stakes and complicated litigation, but. She is an unbelievable ability to, I think, be sort of emotionally available to our kids. Amazing. Okay. So I also wanted to know what plans do you have for more books or like, and how you're doing this with your regular job? You know what I mean? Like you already have a lot going on and this is such a service you're doing by combing through all these biographies. And I mean, this really, if the fonts were different, this could have been like a huge biography, middle grade type of project, but the bios were sort of smaller at the end. So tell me about your upcoming stuff. Well, so, you know, I think the way that I usually write Zibby, I mean, I'm not sure, you know, I I don't know how, how other people do it. I'm sure it's different for everyone, but the way that I usually write my children's books is, you know, I just sit down when I happen to be thinking about something and write a draft. And that's how both of these children's books worked. Uh, this, I guess the second one involved, you're right, I mean, considerably more research than the first. But it was research that I, it was really even rewarding personally, because I knew, you know, many of the people in the book, but I didn't know everything about every one of these people in the book. And, and so, uh, so anyway, so what's next? So uh, a couple of things that are sort of in the sort of conceptual drafting stage. And so one is more sort of have I ever told you books from different perspectives, right? Because I think, you know, this hap- this happens to be a book about African-American history, but I think there are many different kinds of have I ever told you books that could provide access to kids to different histories, right? You mentioned, you know, do I plan to expose my kids to all of their different histories, right? Yeah, and I think I'd like to write more have I ever told you books. Another project is slightly different. And so I mentioned to you, I think, Zibby, that I think that my kids are, even though they complain sometimes, maybe a little bit too much, I think they're very fortunate kids in so many ways. And one of the ways they're so fortunate is they have gotten to travel more than I could have ever imagined. And so, I mean, so they've been to last summer because of my wife's job, we spent about a month I think in Panama, the summer before that, we spent about seven weeks, eight weeks in Buenos Aires. And so another sort of conceptual project is a project that sort of is a children's book that you know, sort of explores the, the, the story or path of children who are from uh, traditionally underserved populations traveling, right? So to these different locations and how they experience them. Because I know, you know, I never thought about you know, traveling in the way that my kids travel. And so one thought was to provide sort of a window and access to other kids, the experience that my kids are having to other kids through a a children's book. So those are a couple of things that I'm working on in terms of how I find time to do it. 
you know, Zibby, you know, it's really so much fun for me to do. And I, I sort of feel like particularly during this time when there is so much going on and, you know, and we really need to be there as much as we can for our kids, right? It's the least that I can do to try and use this platform to try and speak to kids. It's amazing. Wow. Well, I can't wait to see what comes next. And it's so funny. In the New York Times today, there was a whole thing, you know, that at home section. I don't know if you read the Times, but they have like, yes, yeah, at home. And yeah, today it was yeah, like, yeah. okay, you're at home with your kids for the holidays. Like, what are you going to do? If you're the type of family who used to love to travel, you can do these things. And I was like reading it like, what, what am I going to do? <laughs> so anyway, there were all these resources, you know, to pretend as if you're traveling with your kids, but they all seem pretty shoddy. But having a book like yours would would fall into that great category. So yeah, I do. I do read the times, you know, and it's and, I, you know, I was, my, you know, my wife and I have the exact same. I mean, we have right now, our kids school has wait for it, a five week break. So we have five weeks, right? And so we had rec- got re- received recommendations from the school from the schools to, you know, things that they should do. So for one of my kids, for my older kid, it's thirty minutes of reading three days a week, and this math program, which is probably takes her about ten minutes. And then for my son, it's about fifteen minutes of reading. Now, you know, I'm not a mathematician, but you know, and I haven't done the exact calculations yet, Zibby, but that leaves a lot of hours during the day, right? Or Roblox? (laughs) You know, for what? And so, yeah, I mean, I really appreciate people working hard to try and help, you know, come up with ideas. And, you know, I think there are things that will take up the time. Maybe we'll do some baking, maybe, but it's, it's a challenge. And I think, you know, my, what I, and my wife was, when I were talking about it, and, and I think one of the approaches that I, that I take is that, you know, this is really an unprecedented you know, at least in my lifetime, right, uh, time, right, during which, you know, and so some of the rules that we normally have, I think, are just going to have to be off the table, right? And ultimately, at the end of the day, right, my wife and I will do the best that we can to give our kids some (laughs) stimulation during the day. But at the end of the day, right, they're not going to have as much as we would like, right? And we're not going to be able to do the things that we would normally do. But you know, as long as, you know, they're relatively happy, they're going to be okay, right? And I think, you know, this is one of those situations where I think, you know, my wife and I just have to continually remind ourselves that, you know what, you know, let's just put one foot in front of the other. We're going to do our jobs. Our kids will get some stimulation. And, you know, if they watch their iPad a little bit more than normal, you know, that's, it's, it's okay this time because they're going to be just fine, you know? And cause you know, listen, Sibby, like I know that I spent a lot more time in front of the screen when I was a kid. Me too. I'm always saying that. I'm like always referencing like commercials and shows from the eighties and whatever. And I'm like, I must've been, at one point I talked to my mom, I was like, did I watch TV all the time? Cause I do remember reading a lot, but like there was not a show I appear to have missed. So yeah. Yeah. I don't know. You know what? Honestly, all the kids are going to be fine. Yeah. We're all going to be fine. And actually, yeah. it might even lead to some like course correction on the overparenting. Right. Front. Right. Exactly. Because exactly. we see that like, you know what? They're fine. Like they're in the other room and, you know, you, the world's not coming to an end. So, you know, what it reminds me, Zibiam, it reminds me of like, you know, when, and I'm sure, you know, when, when, when your kids are little and I don't know if you did this, but like, you know, you read all of these, you know, 
parenting books and blogs, right? And people have such strong opinions about what you should do and shouldn't do and how things will ruin, you know, your kid if you do them or don't do them, right? Should you let your kid cry? Should you not let your kid cry? Should you? And there are so, and, but at the end of the day, right? All the kids are fine, right? Like, like, you know, they're just fine. And it's the same thing now, right? So I, I really do wonder if this will result in a course correction because, you know, the kids are going to be, kids are going to be just fine. Yeah. And I've realized, and I mean, I say this all the time, but the more kids I have, the more I realize that I have like nothing to do with how they turn out. <laughs> right. Like, all I can right. do is mess them up, right. but right. they are who they are. And yep. day one, and I'm just, yep. like, who, did I, who did I get? <laughs> yep. As long as that's I right. them and make sure that there's some boundaries and I'm not mean and you know that's right. Loving parent is they're gonna have, yeah they're gonna be okay. So yeah. Anyway, yeah. all this philosophical parenting talk I didn't see this coming, but anyway, well thank you for coming on my podcast. Thank you for your book. I can't wait to get a hard copy to read to my kids who, despite all their time on screens, somehow don't like to read books on screens of all the things. Right. That's funny. <laughs> so anyway, well. I'm jealous of you being in Brazil and I, I hope you I hope you survive these five weeks. <laughs> yeah, you too, Zibi. Thank you so much for having me. And you know, if it makes you feel better, yes, we are in Brazil, but just like you, I am inside. So, you know, we could be anywhere right now. That's so yeah. but good luck, Zibi, to you, you in, uh, <laughs> in this next five weeks. And thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Thanks for coming on. Okay, take care. Bye-bye. Thanks so much to today's sponsor, my bookshop.org and my Amazon influencer store. You can check out my Amazon store at amazon.com slash shop slash moms don't have time to read books and my bookshop.org store, which is bookshop.org slash shop slash Zibby Owens. And I hope that you will find every book that you are looking for. Thanks. Thanks for listening to this episode of Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Don't forget to follow me on Instagram at Zibby Owens and at Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. Also sign up for my newsletter at ZibbyOwens.com and sign up for my virtual book club and meet lots of authors on Zoom every other week. Thanks so much to Steve and Ryan at Texture Sound for the sound editing. And thank you to Morning Moon Productions for providing this fantastic intro and outro music. <laughs>